Hello and welcome to the Beef Edge, the Chagas Beef Podcast, for all your latest news, information and advice for Irish beef farmers. I'm Catherine Egan and on this week's episode, John Maher, manager of the Grass Team Campaign, gives an update on grassland management tips to deal with current weather conditions. But first, I asked John, what is the current grass situation on farm? Grass situation on farms uh, around the country is very variable, um, but I suppose specifically on beef farms, we have probably a lot of grass on beef farms. August has come a reasonably good month in terms of growth, particularly the start of the month. However, the, the, the latter end of the month was wet um, and that brought its own challenges. Um, we have reasonable growth in September. Uh, the bottom line is because of reasonable growth and probably lower stocking rates on farms um, with growth being well ahead of demand, uh, we have a nice supply of grass on beef farms from the pasture-based data we look at. Now, let's be clear, there's parts of the country that have struggled badly with weather and still struggling badly with weather and uh, grass supply is not the issue, it's been able to graze and there's other parts of the country that are much drier and have large supply of grass. Equally, there's parts of the country who are, um, um, are dry and maybe be higher stocking rate and um, maybe not have enough grass. I, I think compared to other years, variation is the order of the day, what's happened in the last two or three weeks on farms around the country. Some are wet, some are dry, some have grass, some don't have enough. On average though, the pasture-based data suggests that there is plenty of grass on farms, but as I said, it's only half the story, grazing conditions in a spot along the western seaboard and the northwest are challenging now. And with regard to the quality of grass and the dry matter of grass being low at the moment, what impact is that having? Um, well, I suppose, you know, if you look back at August, it was wet and early September was wet. The dry matters were low, um, abnormally low um, and consistently low. And we're talking the order of, you know, 10, 11, 12%. Um, more recently now, uh, dry matter, sorry, more recently, the dry matters have come up, which is good, and the weather has improved in most parts of the country, although I do know you know, the weather forecast for this week in the northwest is not hectic. So um, there's variation there, but dry, matter, dry matters have recovered, but they were very poor for a spell, which meant that you know, between uh, poor grazing conditions and low dry matter grass, that things were challenging. Saying that, um, the quality of the grass being offered at times um, in terms of DMD and all um, was pretty good to say the least, uh, provided the sward being grazed was green and leafy and provided that there was a reasonable job of um, getting the sward ready for autumn buildup um, was prepared for by grazing out well during, during June and July. You mentioned utilisation is a big issue on farming, particularly with the high rainfall in the past few weeks. What techniques can farmers use to graze out paddocks and avoid damage? Yeah, I suppose if you look at this, if you look at the grass supply from um, figures from Pasture Base Ireland, it will show that the you know the, the covers have been grazed are over two thousand kilos. Growth is ahead of demand. Um, there's a lot of grass on farms. The the covers are generally higher. The average farm covers well over thousand. So that makes it the suggestion that grazing higher covers um, is the norm um, given the way the weather conditions um, have been but it also makes it tricky in terms of uh, grazing where ground conditions are you know on the marginal side um, when covers are very very high the really the only uh, game in town then is you have to uh, basically practice uh, strip grazing um, in some cases, the weather may be dry enough to turn very, very high levels of grass supply on the farm that some of those surplus paddocks would be turned into round bale silage. Um, 
saying that, like obviously, if we have grass going into the autumn period, albeit it's in generous supply at the moment, um, it does help us lengthen the grazing season. Um, every day of grass is worth about uh, two euros per livestock unit, so we can capitalise on it. So it does lower the feed costs, it does shorter the housing period, but as I said, the, the, the grazing conditions in certain parts of the country and excess grass supply are challenges. You know, where you, where you, where you have um, challenges, like, um, you know, you have to be much more flexible in terms of your grazing management. Maybe you have to avoid certain parts of the farm for a short spell until weather conditions improve. Uh, strip grazing will be the order of the day. Maybe lighter animals will work better in certain fields or paddocks than others. Um, if things are, are difficult, you can go to drier fields. After grass is always easier to graze. It's, it's really about flexibility and knowing your farm, um, where the grass is, where it's easily grazed, where the good ground conditions are, where to avoid, um, where we can get you know, surplus grass turned into silage. Um, you know, it's about making those kind of decisions and, and being flexible. Most definitely. What targets are you discussing currently in the grass ting courses with farmers that they need to keep in mind? Yeah, um, obviously we're trying to build grass for the autumn and we're ahead of target by the order of two weeks, um, I suppose, on beef farms, on, 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 on dairy farms, we're actually a bit behind, but uh, such is the story. So we're a little bit ahead. Um, where grass has gone too strong, we decide to act and try and take that surplus out. Um, we also then try to, you know, plan our grazing around around the weather as best we can. Uh, um, as I said before, where things are tricky, we go to easier paddocks to graze, lower covers, drier, um, uh, where strip grazing is easier practice uh, rather than very large paddocks or things like that. So, uh, you know, they're the things we're, we're discussing. It's, it's normally to do though with, 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 with surpluses uh, mostly and um, a little bit about the fertilizer and where we get the best responses. So when I mentioned fertilizer, yes, it increases grass supply. However, we are, we are ahead uh, on grass supply. You'd have to be very, very judicial in terms of fertilizer, nitrogen application. Um, um, certain parts of the country are wet. You'd have to ask yourself like, will I get to graze this? Um, is there one grazing left or just two grazings left? Is the field dry? Is it wet? Um, is my soil uh, fertility good? So where soil fertility is good, where glass supply is, is reasonable, where the paddock is dry, where the covers are uh, reasonable, and where I, I probably have more than one grazing left, you know, a, a response to nitrogen application um, will probably uh, work at this stage. However, if I turn it on, its, uh, on the other side, where it's very wet, difficult to graze, very high cover, poor soil fertility, maybe older sward, You'd have to ask yourself, maybe only one grazing left at best, you'd have to ask yourself the question, is it worthwhile spreading nitrogen there at all? And it probably isn't. Equally then, uh, you know, some farms have some slurry left and, you know, there's, that's a nitrogen source um, and there's some P and K in as well. And that can be used as well rather than fertilizer. I suppose we would try to target the, the, the slurry towards the silage ground all right, because that's where it's needed most. Um, and the swars tend to be cleaner to, to apply slurry. I think most importantly, as you highlight there, where should it be applied is very important. Yeah, you, look, you, look, the fertilizer is, is not cheap. We have to be conscious of uh, environmental losses as well. So, you know, um, good soil fertility, ryegrass swards, drier lands where there's more than one grazing left. You can see where you could get a response from spreading, um, um, you know, 15 units, 20 units of fertilizer maybe. Um, and where your grass supply isn't too high. Equally, if your grass supply is very excessive and you're on heavy land, 
poor soil fertility, older swords, maybe only one grazing left in it, you you know you you'd have to say to yourself that's not worthwhile. Um, and then the, like you know every farm is different. Uh, there's there's paddocks within the farm gate that would respond. There's paddocks in within the farm gate that wouldn't respond. The ones in the middle, then you'd have to ask yourself, well, maybe I have slurry here, and that would make a better um, bet than um, uh, spending money on fertilizer um, when I have slurry left. And you know, we, like the idea is to try and get the slurry out before the the closing period or before land uh, deteriorates in terms of trafficability. Um, uh, the weather forecast for the country is reasonable for most of it uh, currently. So there may be places that we can travel and we should take advantage of that and get the slurry out, particularly on silage ground. And particularly as we approach the deadline for applying chemical fertilizer on the 15th of September. Yes. So for fertilizer, we have about a week left. Uh, Catherine, if my dates are right. So, um, you know, um, choose wisely, choose carefully and make sure you get a return. 2020 has been an unusual year with regard to drought earlier on and with recent rainfall, but overall it has been a good grass-growing year, and particularly with surplus bales being removed on most farms. What action should farmers be taking now on these paddocks at this time of year? Yeah, it, you're right to say that uh, the 2000 and, uh, or 2020 has been a roller coaster ride in grass growth compared to 2019. We've had extremes of dry, extremes of wet, um, both spring and autumn. Um, so, yeah, it's been very, very, very different. Um, there has been a lot of bales made across the summer period. You're right on that. Um, so... Ideally, then, you know, in those scenarios where silage is made, particularly round bale silage made off of uh, grazing area, um, they, you, you're removing P and K out of the system. Um, so that needs to be replenished. Uh, ideally, if you've done a lot of bales um, off a paddock, you're looking at products like 18612 if you want to include nitrogen if you're not then products like uh, not 1020 or 730 every five bales to the acre is equivalent to 1000 gallons of slurry being removed or the, the equivalent of almost a bag of 0730 to the acre being removed the books need to be the, the, the book needs to be balanced in terms of p's and k's we have to think about next year um so you have a choice of slurry or fertilizer um but it'd be nice to get some p and k back provided now you can travel and the conditions are good and get it get it out the one thing about p and k is um our ancestors used to apply this in the autumn um time uh, p and p's and k's are, are not as bad as nitrogen in terms of losses nitrogen tends to be more uh, water friendly p and k's tend to cling to the soil so as long as ground conditions are reasonably good we can apply um some p and k's um to, to balance the books for the silage saying that like in terms of p we only have a week left to uh, apply so people should take advantage of where, where they are trying to catch up in p's and k's and there is no deadline for applying k no um there is there, there is no deadline we do conscious of weather all right and trafficability of the land but there is no deadline no um and as i said you know five bales the acre is equivalent roughly about 25 30 units of k to to be replaced um uh, that can go in the form of muretta potash, you know, 0050. Uh, it's an old type product, but perfectly good in terms of replenishing K. Uh, by its nature, silage is tends to be um, quite draining on the K resource in the soil. So if we took off 10 bales to the acre, a, a bag of not not 50 would uh, balance the books. Now we have slurry as well. 
right? So whichever way, I don't mind, but it, it, it's important that K is replaced. K is a big determinant of silage yields. Um, the difference between index one and index three is a ton and a half of dry matter per hectare. That's a, that's a lot of grass. Um, so, you know, um, the book needs to be balanced if, if, if we are short of K. I will particularly see this loss of K next May when we're judging silage yields. Yeah, um, absolutely. So, you know, looking at the responses bef- before, it's at least a ton and a half of dry matter per hectare. It could be up to two and even beyond it. Um, Chagas work has shown that. Size ground is notoriously uh, short in K, especially rented land. Um, and we have a chance to fix it in the autumn. Um, you, you, By fixing the autumn, you remove the risk of very high K silage next next spring and you remove the risk of uh, tetany next spring. So this time of year now is good to apply fertilizer K or slurry K, slurry and, and get K that way to uh, replace what we have removed from the farm for the year, right? So uh, it will catch up on you um, if we're short of K. Yields will be less, ryegrass will survive poorer, uh, poorer levels. So we, we need to get this right, yes. Finally, John, the deadline for Grassland Farmer of the Year is on Friday, the 11th of September. What advice have you for farmers that are thinking of entering? Yeah, so the deadline is we have a few days left um, to, uh, to enter the, the competition. Um, I can tell you that all those, be it suckler or non-suckler farmers who have entered, have found it a worthwhile experience. Our winner, Trevor Bolands, last year, um, uh, suckler farmer winner. He, he has been improving in his grassland over the three years. Uh, he's he's entered more, on more than one occasion, and uh, we saw a huge improvement on his farm over time just by taking on the messages of what we're trying to do with the competition, what we're trying to do with the grass ten courses, and it starts below the surface with soil fertility, moving to having ryegrass swards, to getting the grazing management right, to putting the paddocks, roadways, and, and sometimes temporary fences um, in place and growing more grass and utilizing the grass. Um, and we saw massive improvements in, in Trevor's story in that. So farmers learn from it. Um, uh, they need to do it. They need to be completing a level of grass, a level of grass measurement on pasture base, all right, to, to have a, a worthwhile challenge in the competition. But there are many out there who, who can who do that and uh, would benefit from this. And there's nice prize money as well. Um, uh, Catherine, like we're we're talking about a, a few grands here for each category. So there's uh, dairy categories, sheep categories, beef categories. Uh, there's two beef categories, to be honest. Um, uh, suckling and non-suckling. There's sustainability awards and there's other awards as well. So um, it is worthwhile entering for um, um, two or three grand. Yes, absolutely, in prize money. That's great, John. Some great advice and tips for managing grass at the moment. Thanks for joining me on the show. No problem, Catherine. That's all for this week's episode and my thanks to John for joining me on the show. You can catch up on all other shows and interviews from the Beef Edge podcast on the Chagas website at chagas.ie or you can listen on Apple and Google podcasts as well as Spotify. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe so you never miss a show. For all other updates from our Beef programme, keep an eye on our Twitter and Facebook pages. Until next time, I'm Catherine Egan and thanks for listening.